The FT. Welcome to the FT's Big Read, a weekly podcast featuring the best of our long-form reporting from around the world. Much of the debate around how to tackle ISIS, the jihadi group calling itself the Islamic State of Iraq and the Levant, has focused around airstrikes by the US and its allies. But a key factor in the success of any war against the group will lie with Iraq's own beleaguered army. In this podcast, Borzu Daragahi, the FT's Middle East and North Africa correspondent, takes an in-depth look at the challenges facing the country's security forces after 35 years of near-continuous war. For much of the summer, the soldiers of the 30th Battalion, 1st Brigade of the Iraqi Army's 8th Division, waited for the enemy. Their mission was to protect vital roads in Anbar province, linking Baghdad to the highway to Jordan from the Islamic State of Iraq and the Levant, or ISIS. But their remote desert base, on a road between the ISIS-held cities of Saqlawiya and Fallujah, had already been overrun in the early days of the insurgency. The overwhelmingly Shia soldiers, mostly from southern Diwaniya province, had repeatedly warned division headquarters, 20 kilometers down the road, that they lacked the supplies, weapons, and local support necessary to mount a defense. When ISIS returned at noon on September 21, after days of mortar shelling, the soldiers could barely hold on for 90 minutes against a three-pronged barrage that included suicide bombers and truck-mounted guns. After pleas for backup or air support proved futile, the soldiers scattered into the desert, abandoning their vehicles in a desperate flight through ISIS-controlled territory. Sergeant Hassan Razak was one of the men who escaped the route at Saqlawiya, where at least 150 soldiers were killed and perhaps 50 more captured. At the moment they arrived, he says, I had nothing in my mind except to fire at them because they were so close. I was holding an M16 with about 90 rounds. We started shooting them, but our ammunition began to run low, and I told my soldiers to start the retreat. The Saklawea debacle, in which an experienced army unit was once again quickly overcome by ISIS, has rattled Iraqi political and security officials as well as Western strategists. Both Iraqi and Western officials have struggled to formulate an effective strategy to push back against ISIS after the group seized control of much of northwestern Iraq in a lightning offensive in June. Haider Abadi, the prime minister, acknowledged the total collapse of the armed forces and the need to rebuild security institutions. Options include building a national guard service, perhaps answerable to each of the country's 18 provincial governors. There's talk, too, of transforming the mostly Shia volunteers who heeded the call of their religious leaders to join military support units into a parallel branch of the military in what has been described as an emulation of Iran's powerful Revolutionary Guard. Some units have already begun three-month retraining programs. General Qasem Atta is the head of the Iraqi National Intelligence Service and the spokesman for the armed forces. The previous training period was not more than 45 days, he says, and the circumstances were not very good. I believe that in six months we will start to see a turnaround. We are now taking back some cities and villages step by step. But most Iraqi security officials, political leaders, and analysts acknowledge that they face a race against time. Iraq must reform, rehabilitate, rearm, and reinvent its military before ISIS strengthens its hold over its self-declared caliphate, or state. At the same time, the Iraqi security forces are also expected to defend civilians from car bombs and militia death squads 
and conduct offensive operations against ISIS. Jawad Bolani was Iraq's interior minister from 2006 to 2010. We cannot fight and rebuild at the same time, he says. We need time to reform our institutions. It's very important to have the international support. You cannot build under the pressure of terrorism. The campaign of airstrikes launched by the U.S. and some of its allies in September is designed to slow ISIS's progress and give breathing space to the military to reclaim territory. Washington hopes in the process to stiffen the resolve of the armed forces and keep its own ground forces out of the conflict zone. Nikolay Mladenov is the U.N. special envoy to Iraq. They need to restructure their armed forces, he says. They need to do it quickly. They need a lot of support for that. But they also need to come up with an Ilan of the Iraqi armed forces. What are they fighting for? The Summer of Hell at Saklawiya illustrates the challenge facing the U.S.-led strategy to contain and destroy ISIS without deploying ground forces to support Iraqi troops. Experts estimate that half of Iraq's 56 brigade units need to be overhauled. Pentagon assessments suggest that it will take two to three years to reconstitute Iraq's security forces. General Martin Dempsey, chairman of the U.S. Joint Chiefs of Staff, spoke to Congress late last month. We have to do it right, not fast, he said. They have to have military leaders that bind them together, a political structure into which they can hook and therefore be responsive to. And that's going to take some time. But three years is guesswork. Iraq's military, degraded by 35 years of near-continuous war, disbanded 11 years ago by the U.S., and victim to constant political turmoil, could take far longer to turn into an effective force that can take on ISIS. That would commit the U.S. and its partners to a far longer engagement. The longer it takes, the more time ISIS will have to amass wealth and lure more recruits as it hardens Iraq's de facto partition into Shia, Sunni, and Kurdish cantons. It will also expand its hold over parts of Syria and menace Jordan, Turkey, and the Gulf. Anthony Cordesman is a former advisor to the U.S. Senate Armed Services Committee and now an analyst at the Center for Strategic and International Studies in Washington. How long will it take to create abilities to defend, particularly outside of Shia areas? How soon can you get various Iraqi forces to support each other? How long is it going to take to reconstitute the Ministry of Defense and Interior? We don't know. The chaotic events at Sakhlawiya suggest that more than three months after the fall of Mosul to ISIS, Iraq's armed forces have yet to change a culture that yields repeated battlefield failures. The 30th Battalion had already been routed once by ISIS this summer. It was a 24-hour battle that began June 13th and cost the unit four soldiers after their calls for air support were denied by division headquarters. Their answer was, You take care of yourselves, says Mr. Rasak, 38-year-old who joined the army 10 years ago. The Iraqi armed forces are rigidly structured, and critics say officers fail to learn from mistakes or identify problems before they become insurmountable. Incompetence and corruption permeate the leadership while abysmal morale and poor discipline pervade the ranks. In a region where criticizing the military is tantamount to treason, these issues have yet to be addressed. Muafak al-Rabai is Iraq's former national security advisor. So far, he says, some bad generals have been sent into retirement. But what we need is a radical revamping of the security forces.
In June, the 30th Battalion soldiers fled in their Humvees to a larger base. But instead of being praised for saving themselves, their wounded, and their kit, or even debriefed for intelligence, they were branded deserters and punished. The men were outraged. We made a lot of sacrifices and suffered heavy losses, says Mr. Razak. They were attacking us from two sides in two waves with suicide bombers. Under pressure from their commanders, the men agreed to return to Saklawiya, which had been abandoned by ISIS. The group regards bases in Iraq as easy targets in the desert. Some officials have begun to question the wisdom of posting troops in small numbers across such remote bases. Units aren't necessary in certain parts of Iraq, says Mr. Bolani. He's among those on the short list to be the country's next interior minister. We need to prioritize, he says. When you distribute them in small numbers in this large an area, the units will be weak. Iraqi security forces should depend on local security forces in the area. But the armed forces in Sunni areas have little choice but to rely heavily on Shia-dominated units and militias. Years of chauvinist Shia rule in Baghdad and ISIS's threats have ended local Sunni collaboration with Baghdad. Daesh is a network, and we have to fight Daesh as a network, says Mr. Rubai. He uses the Arabic acronym for ISIS. The enemy was there in Saklawiya, he says. We need thousands of Sunni with long beards and long robes infiltrating the city and sabotaging Daesh. When ISIS returned to Saklawiya in September, they employed the same tactics they had used three months earlier. After days of mortar shelling, they struck with suicide bombers followed by waves of attacks by truck-mounted guns. Snipers took shots from the desert. When the soldiers called for backup, they were accused of exaggerating the threat. Sergeant Sajad Jabbar, 47, was in the base's makeshift operations room when the fighting began. He and another soldier held out for nearly two hours but fled after fire from a Russian Dushka heavy machine gun shredded its flimsy walls. They found their way to another building where they met dozens of officers and soldiers also planning to escape. A colonel with a pair of night vision goggles led them through an obstacle course of abandoned houses, canals, and Euphrates River tributaries past ISIS positions over the next 24 hours. When they arrived at division headquarters, they found the soldiers in panic. They were afraid they'd also be overrun by ISIS, says Mr. Jabbar. Mr. Razak, who arrived at another base near Tarak, said he was spat upon as a traitor and denied food. Ibrahim Bahr al-Ulum is an Iraqi parliamentarian. Saklawiya was a disaster, he says. Iraq's military forces have not been organized in a way to lead the fight. There is a lack of intelligence, logistics, and local support. Both Mr. Jabbar and Mr. Razak have begun to press political leaders publicly for answers about missing comrades, failures in communication, and the lack of support. With ISIS continuing to advance, there is growing reluctance among the Shia majority to sacrifice more fighters to the campaign. 49-year-old Khair Kadam Hamza's son Mehdi, 19 years old, went missing in Tikrit. She and other mothers of missing soldiers in Diwania have set up a protest camp outside the offices of parliament members. I want my son back, whether he's dead or alive, she says. Why are all these sons and young boys killed just like that? If I could, she says, I would drink the blood of the division commander. While Mr. Jabbar says he'll return to base after leave, Mr. Razak says he has not decided whether he will ever go back. He does not think the war is winnable. Our generals 
our Ministry of Defense and our officers don't give us the logistical support and weapons we need to win, he says. In the area we are fighting, the people don't want us there. Why should I go and get killed defending an area where the people support the enemy? For the Financial Times, this is Borzu Deragahi in Diwaniya, Iraq. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.